If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump, as usual in the fitness uh, space, people tend to become very tribal. Ooh. Uh, they get into their camp and then it becomes uh, their way or the highway. And more recently, we've seen a little bit of debate between the strength side of uh, fitness and the mobility side of fitness. Uh, you have the mobility guys who are like, it's all about mobility, being able to do all kinds of crazy movements. Then you have the strength side that's like, nah, deadlift, squat, overhead press, that's all you need. And it's gone as far as some people saying, Look, if you know you don't feel good squatting, don't worry about it. There's other exercises that'll build muscle uh, on your body. You yeah, don't need to do. Avoid it. You don't need to do these movements. And so, in this episode, we go deep on that topic. We talk all about those two camps, and we give our opinion, which, as you probably already know, is the correct opinion. Uh, <laughs> oh, now, before we get yeah. into the episode, if you get this episode right when we release it, you have a few hours left. For the 50% off Maps Anywhere sale, Maps Anywhere is the program that is used uh, without exercise equipment. All you need is your body, resistance bands, or a stick. Go to mapswhite.com, that's M-A-P-S-W-H-I-T-E.com, and use the code ANYWHERE50, that's A-N-Y-W-H-E-R-E-5-0, for the 50% off. Now, we also have another promotion, and this one's for the whole month of August, um, and we have yet to ever put these promo- these programs on sale. All of our Prime programs, that's Maps Prime and Maps Prime Pro, are 50% off. Both of them, half off. So here's the deal. Maps Prime teaches you how to prime your body for your workouts to get better results. Prime Pro shows you all about um, correctional exercise. So if you have any aches or pains or issues with your hips, your knees, your ankles, your shoulders, or you just want to be able to move better, so you can perform better, MAPS Prime Pro is that correctional element. And if you're a personal trainer, both of these programs by far are the most valuable for you to be able to use on your clients. So here's what you do to sign up. Just go to mapsfitnessproducts.com and use the code PRIME50, that's P-R-I-M-E-5-0, no space, for the discount. And that's 50% off either Prime or Prime Pro. Do it now. You know, I'm actually uh, excited to have this discussion with you guys. Um, we had the latest live event. This came up. Uh, this came up after Steffi Cohen was on our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, this always comes up after Jordan Shallow makes his appearance on our YouTube channel. Uh, this comes up when we talk about Dr. Brink and uh, how brilliant he is as a movement special. This comes up. Uh, when we talk about uh, we we have crypto FRC um, in in our facility, and there's there there t- tends to be this clear division uh, be- as usual. Yes, as yeah. usual in the a field. line in the sand, which is why fucking mind pump is here, right? This yeah. is why this is why we exist is to erase uh, the lines. Exactly, get rid. We of build the- bridges. Yeah, let's blur the lines a little bit. Um, because a lot of these people that I just referenced to are good friends of ours, mm-hmm. and uh, we we highly respect uh, them and the information that they present. And yesterday I was tagged, uh, all of us actually were tagged in a post uh, by a guy named Coach Eugene Tao, I think. Tao. Tao. Tao, I think. Tao. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, I'm not really familiar with all of his content. I know Danny, our our head trainer, has mentioned him before, says he really likes a lot of the stuff he puts out. I respect Danny. Danny says the kid puts out good stuff. He probably puts out pretty good stuff. But the post that we were um, you know, tagged on was him talking to a group of, uh, I don't know, fitness professionals or who they were, but he's talking about the baby squat or squatting down like a baby and how there's this, you know, memes going around that, you know, we should all be able to sit down like a baby does. And he's explaining why a baby can do that and why adults maybe cannot do that so much. And that, you know, is squatting really the, the, a foundational or fundamental movement. And if our goal is just to build muscle and, and look better, feel better type of deal that maybe, the squat is not a good exercise. And in fact, maybe it's not even mm. close to being a good exercise. And there's many other things that you should do in, instead of that. Yeah. Now there's some truth in that, right? Like some of the, the, some truth is that, um, can you build muscle? Can you improve your health and your aesthetics and your function and never do, uh, squats, um, and never get good at squats? Well, yeah, yeah, you can improve, uh, the way you move and stuff. Um, but I think the the camps that are starting to develop are camps that are are either saying, uh, you know, just manage load, mm-hmm. and some exercises don't do them or whatever if you can't or whatever. And then the other camp is the mobility camp, which is improve your mobility, improve your function, because some movements are foundational in, in terms of human movement. Some movements are very important. That you, it's about recapturing the ability again. Right, and that's where the argument is. I think the argument is, are there uh, foundational movement patterns that humans evolved to have? And what we need to examine is when you look at um, evolution, I mean, the theory of evolution says that uh, over millions of years or thousands of years, the human body will evolve to become most efficient at things that it needs to become good at uh, based on your environment. So, for example, one of the reasons why we're noticing now lots of health benefits uh, from fasting is very likely because humans went through long periods without food. And so we evolved to benefit from fasting. We evolved with that. It wasn't, we weren't necessarily born that way. Now, you look at other animals, they don't necessarily benefit from fasting, but humans did. And it's probably, again, because we experience these long periods of fasting. So the body's evolved to become efficient. If you look at a lot of our uh, modern chronic health issues, modern health issues come from, most of them, or many of them, come from the fact that our environment no longer matches our bodies. Our bodies, I mean, modern life, really, if you look at the whole time that modern humans have been on Earth... Uh, modern life, you know, post, I guess, maybe, you know, even post-agricultural revolution, which was thousands of years ago, but even, you know, especially the industrial revolution, that's like a a blink of the eye when you look at all the time that we've been on earth. And so our prehistoric bodies evolved within a particular type of environment. And the environment has changed so radically that we're developing all these chronic issues and fundamental foundational movement patterns were patterns that we've been doing for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. We may not necessarily do them a lot today, but that doesn't mean that uh, you know we don't benefit from being able to do those movements. Our bodies evolved to be, and that's my belief: is our body evolved to do some of these movements. So, a good example, and and this is a little bit of a different subject, but 
if you look at the feet of modern humans, our feet compared to uh, hunter-gatherers, modern hunter-gatherers, our feet are incredibly underdeveloped. Mm -hmm. We don't have good connection to our toes and our feet. The muscles of our feet don't work very well. Toes are smashed together. Yeah, and, and, and that's mainly because we were put shoes on our feet as soon as we could walk, and so we adapted. Our, our feet never achieved their full capacity. Would we benefit, would we have benefited from doing a lot of barefoot walking since we were children? Um, well, do you think you'd benefit from having better and well, better developed feet, better shock absorbers in your feet and the muscles better develop, better function? Um, absolutely. We wouldn't need all these correctional shoes. We wouldn't have a lot of these issues. So um, that to me is the, that's the argument. And if you look at like this, this clip you're talking about on Instagram, Adam, he's talking about the squat. Well, is this is sitting in a squat a foundational human pattern? Is that something that we evolved to be able to be good at? I say yes. I, I would a hundred percent argue yes. Absolutely. There's a few different things there's a few different reasons why. Um, yes, humans sit, and yes, hunter gatherers sat as well. Um, but in order to sit on the floor, it means you're in a completely non-alert, relaxed, not, you know, active situation. Many times hunter-gatherers probably sit in a squat because it allows you to move if you need to. It allows you to get up. And, so if you're observing or if you're sitting around and you're not quite sure of your environment, you're probably sitting in a squat. And you see a lot of people even in modern times do this, especially in a lot of third world countries where when people are waiting for things, there aren't benches or whatever, rather than sitting on the floor, they just sit in a squat. It's also uh, the most healthy and effective way to poop. Yeah. It just is. The squatty potty now that everybody uses, that is putting your, your, your pelvis in a position to better get rid of waste. Well, that's probably how humans pooped. You know, we didn't invent the toilet till, till much, much later. Right. Um, it's how women best tend to give birth is to sit in the squat, allow gravity to do its thing, puts your pelvis in the right position so that the baby can move through the canal. It is, for all intents and purposes, a very foundational human movement. I would say it may not be as foundational as like walking and running, but it's it's up there. And it, it's funny because imagine a different modern future. Imagine, I don't know, 500 years from now and we just invent these uh, levitating shoes or something. We invent this anti-gravity pants. We no longer have to walk. Now we just literally think and we hover and fly everywhere. It won't take very long for generations of people to completely lose the skill of walking. Mm -hmm. You're just not going to be good because you never practice it. And I bet you there will be people who will argue if it is something we need to learn. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is like you can get away with a lot of moments throughout your day with probably not squatting. Like you can use momentum and you can kind of use bracing and, and you know, help yourself kind of get in position to sit down uh, without, you know, properly squatting and, you know, expressing that, that foundational movement. But is it ideal? Is that, you know, a trait? Is that a, is that a characteristic, a function that you want to maintain and preserve? I say a hundred percent. Like that's something that I'm always fighting for that ability to be able to get up out of a position, have strength, uh, you know, from my legs and to really drive up and, um, you know, have abilities. And I, I don't want to lose those abilities. And, and as we get older and, and we age, these become even more paramount. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the big argument is, okay, fine, if you want to 
get better at squatting, just keep squatting. Modify the load and just keep squatting. Yeah, there's some truth to that, right? If you want to get better at squatting, you definitely should squat. That's that's the skill that you're trying to learn. But let's say you're like the average person and you haven't been squatting your whole life. Uh, most people don't and you kind of lose the ability. I'll tell you what, I can't. Uh, I, I would say 9 out of 10, maybe even 10 out of 10 clients that I've trained uh, my entire career who came to me to hire me as a personal trainer could not do a proper squat. They mm-hmm. would come see me, try and do a proper squat, most of them just couldn't do one. Um, practicing a skill that you can't do isn't really a great approach. We're going to be practicing something the wrong way. Mm. So what I would you have to do is work on other mobility movements to get them to the point to where we can practice squatting. It unlocks the skill. It does. And this is why mobility work, I think, yes. is so important. This is why those, that side that says the mobility work, doing things like 90-90s and you know, uh, hip de- you know, uh, hip flexor deactivating movements and whatever. No, that's kind of a waste of time. I I completely disagree. I think if you're talking with an athlete, maybe there's not as much value. Although I'd argue there's a lot of value there. You talk about the average person. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I've I've used them and they work exceptionally well. I've used them on myself. They well, work the, exceptionally the well. biggest problem that I have with posts like this and statements like this is not that it's a it's uneducated or incorrect because there's a lot of really intelligent points that he makes that are true. The part that I have a problem with is it, it, I was the kid on the other side listening to that. And all you do is you give me the excuse to not improve and work on that. That's what you do. And I, I was terrible at squatting. I had low back pain. Anytime I did it, uh, I had bursitis in my hips um, and and you still squatted, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing that I I didn't squat very much though because every time I did squat, all these things would occur, and so I loved hearing someone like this come forward and tell me like you don't need to do squatting. It's yeah. not yeah, it's validating you, now. right? It, it does. It validates the reason for me not to be doing it, and I could just be leg pressing and lunging and doing these other exercises that I that don't bother me as much, and so. That's the problem that I have with it is because I know the people that are listening to it that would probably greatly benefit from them working on on their mobility versus just either eliminating squats completely or just talking about low. And, and it goes back to this argument right here. If would a trainer today, if somebody had issues walking, would they say to them, well, you know, if you can't walk, everybody's different. We have different joints and different positioning, and you, you don't need to walk. We have rascal scooters. Yeah, you don't need, you to, don't walk. need to walk. It's, it's not it's not that important. You could do other forms of cardio. That's a, that's the point that annoys me that they make is that because yes, you're right. All of us are extremely different. There's no such thing, and what I will agree with, there's no such thing as a single perfect squat because that because of our structures are so unique right. and different right but that doesn't mean that that person can't perfect their squat right. to, to me it's no look it's like a monkey who can't climb a damn tree you know uh, you, you evolved to climb the tree so if you can't climb a tree it's important that we figure out why and work towards yeah, what are the limiting building factors? that yes our bodies evolved to do certain things like I'll give you another example okay? Uh, humans do a few things uh, physically very, very well compared to other animals. Not a lot, but there's a few things. One of them is we throw with accuracy very, very well. Um, would throwing be considered a foundational human movement? I think so. In fact, if you can throw really well, and I don't mean like you're overworking your arm. I just mean you can throw really well and it feels comfortable. Your odds 
of developing shoulder problems is probably low. It's much lower. That is a found, that is one of a the what I would consider foundational human movements. I don't even consider that as foundational squatting. I think squatting is much higher on that list. So if you can't squat because of pain uh, or because it doesn't feel right, it's a very important you figure out why and work towards doing it. Now, that's not a guarantee you'll ever be able to squat, by the mm-hmm. way. I've had lots. Of, I used to train clients in advanced age who would come see me, and they had either surgeries or problems or maybe just so far gone in terms of mobility that you know for two or three years we're working on mobility and, and stuff to get them to be able to squat, and we never get to the point where they can really do a good squat. But you know what always happens? They, they're, they improve their health tremendously along that process. So it's not really even a guarantee. Although I will say this, most of you listening at some point will be able to do a good squat if you just work on those types of things. And so, and that to me, that's the argument. Mm -hmm. Do you think squatting is a foundational human movement? If the answer is yes, you think that that's something that humans should be able to do, then telling people you don't need to squat and don't do it and don't worry about it is the wrong information, in my opinion. Well, yeah. I also think that we have to take into consideration how things have changed just in the last 20 years. He does touch on the point, too, about, you know, oh, people try to point towards the, oh, we're sitting down on desks all day long and that's causing all these issues. And, you know, I would argue that. I would say that, you know, the the behaviors that we are, the things that we're doing as humans in the last decade to two decades, or maybe three uh, has has greatly changed, and what we're and we're in the mix right now. We're right in the middle of watching something that I continue to try and predict on the show that we're gonna. It's gonna be a major conversation. Is this phone time? I mean, uh, you just didn't see that ten years ago, where people are sitting in this rounded position, head way forward, looking down at a screen for hours on hours every single day. If you don't fucking think that's not going to change all of us and how we move, and mm-hmm. if you don't think that you need to be doing those little boring-ass, tedious mobility issues to combat it, you're going to be in a world of fucking pain in the next 10 years. You'll see. Totally, totally. Yeah, let, let's talk about some of the foundational, you know, functional human movement patterns that you should be able to do uh, when we're talking about you know maximizing just your quality of life and, and just through movement. We talked about squatting. Um, I think, obviously, look, again, if you're a hunter-gatherer, you got to go poop. You're going to squat. You're having a baby. You're going to squat. If you need to sit down but still be alert, you need to be able to squat. I think you should be able to sit on the floor comfortably. A lot of people think that sounds silly, but I bet you this right now, you take 10 average people off the street, have them sit on the floor and see how uncomfortable they get within 20 minutes. Most of them can't sit on the floor for very long. We didn't have chairs for most of human civilization. Most of us sat on the floor when we're sitting down and we're very relaxed. I think that's an important thing that you need to examine. If you can't sit down comfortably, you're either too tight, don't have the mobility to do so, or don't have the strength to support yourself while sitting on the floor. Um, Lunging, uh, that splint stance lunge position extremely uh you know functional very and foundational functional. very mean, much so yeah that's one of those things it, it applies to any pursuit because as we're walking you know we're always like putting a preference on one leg towards the other and so to be able to stabilize properly uh, in a split stance is everything but now to add strength to that movement uh it's going to benefit you on all all different levels of of movement right uh rotating you got to be able to rotate your your body twist um, maybe even twist with force. 
every time you run or take a step, there's rotation that happens. Mm-hmm. You'll notice when you take a step forward with your left leg, your right arm moves forward to counter it. Right. In fact, contralateral movement. Yeah. In fact, this is funny. I, I had this conversation with my kids and I was trying to explain to them contralateral movement, um, but using different terms for them. And I said, try walking with the same arm and the same leg coming forward. And you could see them like <laughs> trying to do it. And it's really weird. Yeah. Because. It's not natural. Like a tin soldier or something. Yeah, that yeah. rotation rotation is a is a foundational human movement. Being able to push, being able to push things away from you, either horizontally or overhead and vertically. Being able to pull, being able to pull your body up or pull things towards your body. Um, of course, gait, mm-hmm. walking, and running are foundational human movements. If you can do all of these things really, really well, the odds that you'll be in pain. Uh, the odds, hip hinging is another one, by the way. I forgot mm-hmm. all about that one. Um, I mean, three quarters of Americans uh, at some point will deal with chronic low back pain. Um, that's oftentimes if you have good core stability and ability to hip hinge properly, it will prevent that. And if you could do all those things that I just listed and you can do them well, mm-hmm. um, the odds that you'll have chronic pain um, and injury are far lower. Yeah, They just are. They're far lower. Now, the question is... Um, what about mobility movements that, you know, like things like the 90-90, for example? Like, w- what is their role in these? Because a lot of the guys will argue, like the Jordan Shallows, will argue they're, they're, they're a waste of time. We don't need to do them. I mean, how do you guys feel? No, this is something that I feel really passionate about because it was a game changer for myself. So I had bursitis in my hips, which I really didn't even understand how or how that came, ab- came about. And a simpler way to explain it or like breaking down what, you know, br- brain kid like – explained to me is that, you know, think about the hip and what it's supposed to be able to do, right? It, it's a, a, a multifaceted joint that allows it to go through all these different planes. It's, uh, you know, the hip and the shoulder are probably the two most complex joints in the entire body. Two ball and, and socket joints. Right. And it has this ability to go in all these different planes. Now, what ends up happening as we get older is, you know, we limit that. We, we, we stop playing like kids. I'm not rolling around. I'm not running left and right and jumping and twisting and doing all this stuff. I'm moving in the sagittal plane all the time. And so what ends up happening, the, the brain starts prioritizing it that way. It says, okay, Adam, if you're not going to do this rotational movement or move the hip in this direction, it starts to kind of shut down all those muscles that are, help, that are responsible for doing that. Mm-hmm. And then what happens when you occasionally ask the body to go to, this, go to these areas it's not used to going anymore, other parts of your body starts to overcompensate. Mm-hmm. And when other parts of the body start to overcompensate, then all of a sudden you get these achiness or strains or issues that start happening like the bursitis. And all that is is fluid that's being sent there because my body recognizes it like, oh, something's wrong or there's an injury or something going on there. And so it starts sending fluid there. And then I get these you know, fluid sacs that are in my hips that feel like someone's sticking a blade mm-hmm. in my bone or crazy. And I'm like, where did this come from? And it, it feels like there's something wrong that's in there or something that's injured or hurt. But in reality, what it is is that it's my body has been overcompensating for so long that it, it does, it's not working and moving properly. And what I needed to do was to get reconnected to these mm-hmm. muscles that are help, that help take this joint through its full range of motion. And all of a sudden, all that shit went away. And I don't think, uh, you know, like back when we were younger, like this was uh, as much of a concern. This was not something that it, it, it definitely took the time of repetitive patterns to catch up to where this started to speak volumes to me. I did have 
problems with tightness in my hip that and overcompensations from just daily activities or daily things where I'm sitting too long or I'm in traffic too long. And, you know, the tightness and the compensations as a result of that had created pain now that, you know, stem from hip into the lower back. And so uh, I'm very... I, I could see a lot of these messages on Instagram and on these social media outlets from younger coaches that, right. you know, are stressing the points of like, you know, the, you know, like managing your load properly and really just going through the mechanics are going to solve it on their own mm. uh, versus uh, over time, like really looking at what these patterns result into. And so that's why I, I have like a little more weight in, in the mobility camp. Yeah. Here's why I like with some, one of the reasons why uh, I like mobility. If you think of um, an injury that happens now, aside from like obvious stuff, like I, I got, you know, in a car accident um, or, you know, someone ran into me or, or, you know, I got hit by baseball, whatever. Aside from those types of events, a lot of injuries happen like this. Um, I go to the park and I throw a frisbee. Oops, I hurt my I hurt my shoulder. Or I'm in the car, kids are screaming. I'm at a stoplight. I turn around to do to to tell them to stop or whatever. Boom! I throw out my back. Now, why the fuck does that happen? Why do we keep hurting ourselves with the silliest of things? And this is more common than the extreme hard injuries, like I said, like getting in a car accident. It's, it's more common like that. And those of you listening right now, you probably can relate. You probably hurt yourself that way. Now, how did that happen? Well, what happened is you moved outside of a range of motion that you owned. That's all it was. You didn't own a range of motion, so you moved in it. And because you moved in something you didn't own, there wasn't the stability and support there, and an injury happened. Now, why is mobility so effective? Why is, it, why is mobility important versus just doing the basic exercises? Mobility movements give you connection that exceeds the range of motion of the common exercises. You actually gain control over ranges of motion outside of where you might get what you might get with a traditional squat or a traditional lunge. Now, why is that important? Like, why would I want to own more of a range of motion than I'm going to get with my squat? Because in real life, sometimes you're going to go an inch deeper than you normally do, or you're going to twist a little bit faster or a little bit further than you normally do, and you want to be able to own that. So, mobility allow it makes you safer because it gives you ownership over larger ranges of motion than you're normally going to practice. Then when you go practice your movements, uh, you're going you're gonna to be better in the ranges of motion that you owned to begin with because you own the outsides of that. You own the borders, if that makes any sense. Right. That's why mobility work is so important. Now, there is truth in what the strength side says, which is that strength is the foundational pursuit, that strength is what gives us st stability mm -hmm. without strength. There is no mobility. But I'm also going to argue that mobility training is strength training. Yes, that's the key that's, now. That's true mobility training, not that, flexibility training. That is now. Now I understand the other side though. Was like when you see the extreme mobility guys and they can do like crazy, ridiculous movements, but they can't even squat their own body weight. Um, you know, they can't deadlift. You know, their own body weight. Okay, fine. Yeah. Uh, I get that. Yes, there's benefit to being to having more strength, but that doesn't mean there's no benefit to doing the mobility stuff. The only thing is you're looking at the extreme versions of each. Mm -hmm. It would be like me looking at the strongest man competitors or powerlifters and saying, oh, look, torn biceps, torn pecs, back injuries, strength training, 
no good. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as looking at the mobility guy who's like hyper mobile, mm-hmm. and I'm like, he can't even deadlift his own body weight. Right. Mobility, no good. Tearing ligaments. No, that's wrong. Yeah. Uh, you want to be the mixed martial artist of fitness and see that there's value to all of these things. And, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like this. Like, if you want to get better at uh, uh, running – you're just you just want to be a runner. You want to be the best runner in the world. You just want to get better at running. Most of your training is going to be running. The vast majority, and it should be the vast majority of your training should be running. Does that mean that there's no you won't get no value from cross training? That you'll get no value from doing things outside of running? Of course not. We know this to be true. It used to be the belief that you just if you want to be a boxer you just box. You want to be a runner you just run. But now we know that if the runner does some swimming a little bit of strength training, specific core work, he's going to be a better, he or she's going to be a better runner. So if you want to get better at your squatting and your deadlifting, you definitely need to squat. You definitely need to deadlift. But do some stuff outside of that. And in my opinion, the best stuff you can do is targeted mobility work. What I mean by targeted is individualize it for yourself. Work specifically on your ankle mobility outside of what the squat challenges or what you know your favorite exercise well, does and, and watch what of, happens one of the worst things that i think we can do too is to because we're not good at or it gives me pain or whatever to eliminate a a one of these foundational movements exactly mm-hmm. to me that that's what bothers me about posts like this is not that the person who's who's putting it out there isn't intelligent isn't bringing really really good points is i just happen to know from my experience and, and I know you guys are the same way. When you talk about thousands of average Jane and Joes that are exercising and working out that should be working towards improving their squat uh, and because we know the benefits that come with that, uh, I hate to see a message like that because it just gives those people that excuse. It gave me that excuse. It gave me It let me go like, oh, I don't need it. I can just keep leg mm-hmm. pressing or I can just keep lunging. I could be doing these other things that don't bother me instead of going, wait a second, why does this bother me or why is this so difficult for me and can I mm-hmm. work towards improving that? Yep. And then when I and, and what sucks about that message is it's not sexy and it's boring and it's not cool for Instagram and it's tedious work, but the reality of it is those those things when you talk about overall overall health and longevity and improvement of how you feel that working towards That's the most important thing. 100%. It's the most important look, uh, when I was a kid it, Okay, before I get into the story, uh, I, I need to explain this. The body, your body and your brain are constantly, constantly adapting. And what they're, what they're adapting towards is becoming better and more efficient. Now, how does it know what to get better at and more efficient at? Well, it knows by the signals it receives. Um, uh, in other words, what you do, the stresses you place upon it. That's the signal that your body gets. That's the signal that says get better and more efficient at this. Now, your brain and your body has a limited capacity to be good and efficient at things. For one, some things are competitive. Uh, like in other words, if I want extreme endurance, I'm gonna have to train, I'm gonna have to trade some strength for extreme endurance and vice versa. But the other thing is that there's just limited space, limited storage space in the brain. And your brain is constantly getting rid of shit that it thinks it doesn't need. So when I was a kid, I grew up in my house and I spoke mostly Sicilian or, or all Sicilian to both my parents. Now, when school started and I went to school, uh, they had to put me in English as, uh, you know, ESL classes, English as a second language. 
And because I was doing that, my mom said, oh, you know what? We need to start speaking to Sal in only English so that he doesn't have to do this. So then at home, all I did was speak English, okay? What ended up happening is I lost my ability to speak Sicilian fluently. Now, if I go to Italy and visit my family, within a month or two, it starts to come back. But I lose it because I don't practice it. And people listening right now know exactly what I'm talking about. You don't practice that skill, you lose it. Something even as fundamental Mm -hmm. as language. Okay, if you stop squatting, you know what's going to happen? You're going to lose the ability to squat. And I don't care how much you leg press or how much you hack squat or how much leg extension, leg curls, and all these other exercises you do, they might help slow down the process of losing the ability to squat because at least you're strengthening the muscles and you're doing similar type movements, but you will lose the ability to squat. And again, you have to ask yourself, is a squat or a lunge or rotating or pushing or pulling or hip hinging or whatever, are these foundational, fundamental human movements? And if they are, I probably should not or prevent my body from losing those skills. And here's the thing. The longer you allow your body to lose those skills, the harder it becomes to gain them back. Mm -hmm. Because those neural connections in your brain, your ability just to do them. It's funny. I remember uh, when we did start a mind pump um, and I met uh, Adam and Justin for the first time and we're doing this and we're all learning from each other. And one thing that I uh, learned uh, from Justin was on how to do certain exercises and movements. I remember we started talking about the the functional, uh, you know, the functionality of a windmill and how, I mean, old school, you know, strength athletes, the windmill was like a staple exercise and being able to rotate while hip hinging and, and supporting weight, like, you know, that was a big deal back in the day. And I'm a big fan of old, old time strongmen and stuff. And I remember Justin doing windmills and I'm like, okay, let me give it a shot. I could not get into the position. I could not. Now, it wasn't because I was necessarily too tight or weak or too weak. I just couldn't do it. I didn't have the skill. Yeah, it's unfamiliar zone. So I started practicing it and then lo and behold, now I can do it. I Mm -hmm. can do the skill of windmilling. This is just like anything else. So if you're one of these people, it's like, you know, oh, I can't squat. Squatting hurts me. I'm watching this Instagram guy say, oh, that's okay. Just do leg presses and stuff. I'm going to tell you right now, don't squat. Keep not squatting. That ability will uh, slip through your fingers. And it'll be very difficult to gain back. It'll take a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of practice. Um, and you'll have to do a lot of targeted and specific type of mobility work, which the, that's the, the value of it. The main reason why I push that message so hard on my Instagram where you see half of my posts are sitting down is because I was on the other side. I've not been a big squat guy my whole life, and I've been pushing this agenda because I've been good at squatting my whole life. I was fucking terrible at it. And because I was terrible about it, I had issues with my low back and I had hip issues. When I started to address the mobility, the lack of mobility I had in my ankles and in my hips, it totally changed the way I felt. And I got stronger along the way too, which is great. That's the side benefit of it. But really, the reason why I push that agenda so hard is because I know I'm not alone when I, when I hear messages like this all the time, and I know there's a bunch of kids, because I, I read underneath like a, a post like this, you know, and there's 200-something people commenting like, yes, you, I agree, and finally someone who's who's counter the, countering the message of like the whole squat thing, everybody's squatting because it looks cool for Instagram. You want to feel good about not being able to do something well. 
Right. I mean, that's really what it is. Yeah. That would be me. I would have totally. I, and I was that kid. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I would jump on that camp too, and and agree with him right away that I don't need to be doing that because at that time in my life I didn't see the value in it because mm-hmm. all I cared about was way like. And quite when you look at my uh, stage photos when I was competing as a pro. I, my squat and my pain was crazy. Mm-hmm. Now, to the average person looking at me, they would look at me and go oh, like, fine. yeah, mm-hmm. look how awesome he looks. He's built, symmetrical everywhere. It looks great. But no, I wasn't great. I had low back pain and I had bursitis in my hips at that and time. And besides being mm-hmm. able to squat more, this is important now, being able to squat better and easier, Adam, do you generally just feel better? That's the biggest difference. Yeah. I, yeah. I can. I used to. That's important now because people might think, I don't give a fuck about squatting. This is no exaggeration, and I know there's somebody who's listening right now. And the funny part, too, while we're talking about this, it, it's, I, it's, it is kind of funny when you, when you see the people that are, are, are touting this. They tend to be between the ages of 20 and 35 at the tops. Oh, yeah. You don't see a lot of forty-five-year-old plus people. No, man. That, that are that are. Touting, We've been through life already. Yeah, that yeah. are t- touting this information. It's somebody who's young and hasn't been that hasn't dealt with shit like this. Now, I couldn't drive thirty minutes without this excruciating pain radiating down my hip, and I would have to get up and I'd pull the car over and I'd have to go down and do like some stretches and kind of move a little bit because the pain was so bad. And then get back in the car. I I lived like that for fucking years, dude. Just. Assuming that I've got and you were you were working out, you were leg pressing, yeah. you were doing, and you were I was ripped, foam rolling. I'm doing all the things. I was putting band aids mm-hmm. on all this stuff. I was still exercising, and that's that's what this is to me. This is a a, a band aid for a deeper issue that most people have. Most people have lost the ability to squat really deep, not because they don't have a big head like a baby anymore. It's because they've lost the ankle mobility, they've lost the hip mobility. Mm-hmm. And now all they're now all we're doing is encouraging them to do other exercises like leg pressing and lunging, which isn't taking them all the way through that floor. It's not challenging the ankles. It's not challenging the hips like a squat, a deep squat would. And so all you do is you tighten up, tighten up, tighten up all around these areas that don't have good range of motion. And guess what? If you do that for long enough, like longer than 25 years of your life, and you keep going, eventually what happens it is- It starts you, to carry over. Chronic pain. It starts to you not just- it out. Yeah, it goes from, I can't do a squat, whatever, who cares, I'll do all these other exercises, to, man, now I can't sit for longer than an hour without hurting. Mm-hmm. Oh no, now I can't walk very long distance because things hurt. Oh no, now when I bend over, that's the, that's the point that I wanted to make, Adam, was it wasn't just that now you can squat better, it's that now because you do squat better- Everything else feels better. And that's because it's a fundamental movement. Right. It's not like doing a bicep curl or other exercises that I wouldn't even consider fundamental movements. Squatting, if you can get yourself to squat better, the carryover mm-hmm. is tremendous. I was I was talking uh, with Jessica yesterday. We actually worked out together. And you know she used to travel with the, the Cirque du Soleil. Um, she worked for them for a little while. And so she knew a lot of these performers. And she also worked with uh, like these uh, contortionists and whatnot. Contortionists have like extreme ranges of motion. And one of the guys that she worked with, who was this this guy who could just fold himself in half or whatever, all constantly had um, shoulder problems. And she's like, you know, it was weird because back then I didn't understand why he had shoulder problems because he was so flexible. He had the greatest range of motion that I've ever seen. But now I realize that mobility is a balance between flexibility strength, stability, and recruitment patterns. You have to have a balance between those things. Because like like you said, Adam, you were tight, but someone else may be very flexible, mm-hmm. still have lots of pain because they don't have the strength to support it. 
That's where mobility work comes into play. Mobility work, the goal of mobility work is to balance those things out. So what does it look like? Well, for someone like me who's tight, I'm just tight, very, very tight. Um, I'm strong and tight, right? Mobility work for me is connecting, but also lots of stretching. There's lots of increasing range of motion with it because if I get into a normal you know, mobility movement, I'm feeling lots of stretches. Now, to somebody who's very loose and weak, who also has issues with, with pain and whatnot because that means they're unstable, mobility work is a lot of connecting and tensing and flexing and strengthening um, because that's what mobility work does is it balances those things out so that you can move better. So it's not about being too tight or too loose or not about having not good recruitment patterns. It's about, uh, or not connecting. It's about an imbalance of all of those right. different things well, that causes the problem. Well, squat is a gross motor movement. It's some, You need all those things harmoniously to work together. And that's why for me too, like, you know, the 90-90 going back to that conversation, like a lot of times that internal rotation for me, it, I just don't find myself doing exercises that express that enough. Right. And that's a major part of the stabilization laterally in my squat. Mm -hmm. I need that. And I don't think a lot of people realize little things like that, like you need to incorporate intentionally in order to maximize, you know, the performance output and also just, uh, you know, the placement of your bones in the joint. Like you need that all to to stabilize properly so everything can function the way it's supposed to. Look, it's, it's funny. It's like, you know, I used to do this with clients. It's funny when it happened to me, um, but I would ask a client, um, you know, reach your arm up above your head if I had an elderly client and they would only go so far, right? They had a difficult time straightening their arm out. And then I'd say, and I, then I'd grab the wrist and, and move I'd, it for them. I'd say, relax now, just let me lift your arm for you. And then I'd be able to straighten their arm out above their head. Um, not always, sometimes there was a joint issue, but many times I would be able to do it. And then I would right. tell them, this is the range of motion that you actually have. You just don't have connection to it. It's like you're dead in this extra two or three inches. And so my goal now is to give you that extra that that control to that extra you know two or three inches, I, that happened to me with Brink. You know, I went to Doctor Brink's office. He had me sit in a ninety ninety position, so uh, you know my back laid was was internally rotated. And then he told me, while keeping your knee on the floor, see if you could pick your foot up. And I'm like, yeah. ain't gonna happen. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's like you might as well ask me to float. Like I don't have right. a connection. <laughs> and then and but now I didn't understand this, so I just thought that's not that's not possible. I'm too tight. It doesn't work. And he said, no no no, stay here for a second. And he grabbed my foot. He pushed my knee down so my leg didn't raise, and he rotated it to the point where my foot was almost yeah. next to my head, yeah. and it looked it looked so weird yeah. that it actually looked. I almost it's felt like, like scary. I almost felt like it wasn't my foot. I had that yeah. weird like disconnected feeling, like oh my god, that's is that yeah. really my leg? How's, and my this, foot? how's this happening? And he said, "This is the range of motion that you have. You you should be able to move your leg into this position yourself. The problem is." You've completely yeah, lost connection you've inhibited it. to this. Now, you tell me, common sense, okay? If you're listening, I don't care if you have a background in fitness or not. Do you think it's better to own the range of motion that you possess? I'm not even talking about getting a, more of a range of motion. I'm just saying being able to own the range of motion that right. you possess, that your body can do. Well, yeah, you better fucking believe it. That's mm -hmm. going to reduce your risk of injury tremendously. But I want to take it even a step further. If you just want to look better, let's say you just want to build muscle, we know that range of motion and greater ranges of motion contributes to better and faster 
muscle development. We know this. Now, there's some benefit to keeping tension and getting a pump and all that stuff as well. But when you take average people and you compare them group versus group, this group over here does a full range of motion bench press. This group over here does a half range of motion bench press. This group over here does full curls. This group over here does half curls. Who's going to build bigger biceps and pecs and, and, and more strength? The people doing the fuller range of motion. Okay. So if you just want to look better, then it makes sense to be able to own larger ranges of motion so that when you go to the gym, that's how you train. And then watch what happens to your body. Yes, you're going to feel better. Yes, you're going to have less risk of injury. You're also going to build a better looking body. You're going to build a better moving and a better looking body. So even if your goals are entirely aesthetic driven and you could care less about mobility, you could care less about injury prevention because you're like, whatever, I don't care. I'm 20. You want to build more muscle? <laughs> yeah. Mobility is going to help you build more muscle. Um, and then, of course, like we're saying in the podcast, uh, if you don't work on mobility um, and you kick the can down the road, at some point, you're going to be forced. You're going to be forced to have to work on mobility, a lot like we've been right. forced to do And it. is moving like a puma that necessary? No. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Like, that can get ridiculous. No, yeah. I'm glad you went that way, too, Justin, because I you know, I feel like we definitely you know, kind of picked on uh, the Eugene guy for yeah, a while. let's pick and, on the other side. And that bit. camp. And, um, and I think he's fucking – I think his shit's really good. So I just want to put that out there. I'm sure this will – make its way over to him and uh you know i don't want to no he has a good page he's a smart guy yeah too. very very smart guy but there's definitely there's, there's a division here and we have friends on both sides and you know and we got asked a question at the live event uh, because they were referencing mark ripto and you know and the truth is that a, a lot of what they have to say there's a lot of value and truth to that but there's also a lot of truth and value to what the other side has to say, which is like the Androspinas and, and mm -hmm. that side and the, you know, Kelly Starrett's and the, the mobility camp people. And But the extreme mobility side is also too much in their camp, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Too far. Right. That's the ideal you need. Honestly, what both those camps would do would fucking benefit from each other greatly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. isn't if that the, usually the case it is it the i mean if the if the the ripto the steffi coens the jordan shallows that that side who just just scoff at mobility if they actually were to introduce a little bit of mobility more work into their routine they would greatly benefit it's, from it what's funny the, to me it, what's funny to me is it's like uh it's like having this debate with a bunch of people and you're like what's better cheeseburgers or pizza and they make you think yeah. like you can only fucking eat pizza how about yeah. cheeseburger or you, pizza yeah or you can only <laughs> eat cheeseburgers right yeah. like why not both? Yeah. Why not do a little bit of like both? Pizza Hut yeah, kettlebells are better than dumbbells. Ah, like hold on a second. Just because you like dumbbells doesn't mean you can't throw some. What the fuck cares? Yeah. Right. You can throw in some dumbbell work. So there's definitely value in either one. It's when you become too extreme in one area. Well, and what happens? You start to lose. And what your drives that extreme? And why I'm, I feel blessed that I've been on both sides is what ends up driving the extreme is because you've had some sort of personal success, whether it be personal with yourself or personal as a coach mm -hmm. with other people. Where like I've taught a bunch of these people how to load manage and strength train, and I've changed hundreds of lives this way. All that other stuff. And is it's bullshit. timing, right? right? Like a lot of times, too. Like the message hasn't been in the forefront as much about you know mobility athletes have been like really getting after it and like adding a lot of intensity in their workouts and like didn't stop for a moment to you know assess their joint function yep. and so now this camp comes in it's like this too far. savior of like yeah i'm gonna you know alleviate all this pain and your performance is going to increase substantially but just by doing like our protocol it reminds me of uh i, I love one of the things i love about uh, that we've been doing this for so long is you see trends just kind of come back yeah. yeah and sometimes they're not the same exact trend but it's similar enough so 
I, as a trainer, so I started training uh, people in, nine, I believe it was 1997, I think was the first year I trained. And it was about, I don't know, six years later, I want to say early 2000s, that uh, stabil- stability ball training, you know, standing on unstable surfaces, doing everything on one Circus foot. Circus training. Became like this big thing. And the reason why it became a big thing is there were studies that were coming out showing that implementing some instability training was reducing uh, injury uh, risks uh, with athletes. And so what ended up happening is, like what's happening right now with mobility, is trainers went so far off that everything became instability training. I mean, I am not exaggerating. I manage gyms with trainers. I would see trainers do everything on uh, a dynadisc, a balance pad, (laughs) half a foam roller, or a physio ball. Everything. Nobody was bench pressing anymore. They were pressing on a physio ball. Nobody was doing a fucking curl anymore. Everybody had to stand on one foot, balance on something, and doing curl. They went so far that they lost all the value and benefits from the traditional resistance training. So So rather than implementing the in the unstable surface stuff and gaining some of the value and adding it to what they were doing they threw away all the good stuff over here and just did yeah. all the instability training which then i went in the opposite direction and said you guys are morons and in fact some of our earliest mind pump episodes we made fun of that kind of stuff yep. well that's what's happened with mobility as well you've got guys with mobility where it's all mobility don't lift heavy weights. It's all about being hypermobile. And look at me. I'm on the floor, and I could scratch my the back of my head with my toe, and you know I could do all kinds of weird shit. Okay, it's impressive. It's cool. I get it. Is there value? Is there a lot of value in a training like that for the average person? No. They're going to value from throwing some of that in, mm-hmm. but also getting strong because you got to be strong too. You got to be able to lift well, heavy weights. That I can see where you people get caught in these camps. I could see how someone like me could have become like the mobility guy for us. Because when you, I tell you what, when you have something like low back pain or chronic hip pain, like mm-hmm. I had for years and years and years, and then all of a sudden you meet a movement specialist like like Brink, and he sits down and he makes me do all this tedious 90-90 and combat stretching and all this stuff that I think is just like super lame. But then all of a sudden I start feeling different and all the pain mm-hmm. starts to go away. Real easily, I could jump into that camp and become the mobility guy and just be like, yeah. fuck all that weightlifting and all that crazy stuff. It's weight. like when you went yeah, keto for the first time. Yeah. It's like going keto for the first time and you're like, oh my God, I lost 10 pounds. Keto all the time now. Yeah. Yeah. I am a keto, keto you know, forever. Yeah, zealot or whatever. They're, they're just becoming zealots. They right. really are. Versus, uh, just like a great analogy by bringing in the keto point, is like instead of it being the diet. Or the modality that is so um, modality of training that has been so amazing for me is that oh maybe there was a neglected thing here maybe I was not mm-hmm. dealing with my hip mobility and my ankle mobility and that was a major limiting factor to my squats and it was yeah. also a major contributor to my low back pain and hip pain oh shit maybe if I address that ankle mobility address that hip mobility right. I'll alleviate those things doesn't you mean you bring I can- that intent into that you know that same skill that squat now it enhances that that entire Mm -hmm. uh you know movement now now here's why it's important to just not practice the movement over and over again because some of the arguments are like look just go lighter and practice uh more squatting and that'll that'll work on your ankle mobility the problem is if you have an issue squatting then what you'll be practicing um is going to be a, a movement pattern that's not ideal and so sometimes you have to move out of that movement pattern and do a specific other form of, mobi- of, of mobility, like like you said, uh, Adam, the, the combat stretch or whatever, combat activation. You get into that position. Now you can challenge and work on ankle mobility and connect to it differently. It's really no different than how we would use priming. 
It's like, look, you don't feel your butt firing when you do squats. Okay, the answer should not be to squat more and just slowly focus on your butt more. Um, that's one strategy, but it's a very difficult strategy. What's a better strategy, and it's a bit of a shortcut, is to have you do these other exercises over here that, that are easier for you to connect your glutes. Maybe not as beneficial as a squat when done properly, but beneficial to connect. Now you can feel the butt. Now you go squat. Now you can connect to what you need to connect to. It's really no different. It's no different than the way we would use priming. And people even argue against priming and say, oh, it's a waste or whatever. No, it's not. And, and the thing you need to understand that, that I want people to understand is this. Our experience is not, a, is not working with a majority of athletes. Our experience is not working with mostly powerlifters or bodybuilders. A lot of these guys on Instagram who are in these camps – work with a majority of a particular type right. of individual. And I'm going to tell you right now, if all my nutrition advice was working with with bodybuilders, I would be an IIFYM calorie, you know, monster. That's all I would ever talk about because in that camp, that kind of makes sense. Our experience, we worked with everyday regular people. Most of you listening right now are everyday regular people. You may be a fitness enthusiast, but you're more like an average person than you are like an extreme bodybuilder, powerlifter, uh, or, or, or you know, fall into one of those categories. And so the advice that we're giving right now, in our opinion, is based off of that. And when I work with everyday average people, there's tons of value in traditional strength training, and there's tons of value in mobility work. And it's not either or. No. The answer is both. Both. It's both. Um, and with that, go to mindpumpfree.com and download one of our guides. Uh, they're all absolutely free. You can also find us all on Instagram. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal. And you can find Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. <laughs> <laughs>